Welcome to G Talk. dedicated to helping you discover your purpose by helping you build intimate relationships and a lifestyle of thankfulness. Listen to us today as we discuss a new challenging topic aimed to encourage you and to challenge you, but most importantly, to build you up in your relationships with each other and with God. Stay tuned. Welcome to G-Talk, and we are your hosts, Terrence and Adair Clark, and this is Terrence coming to you once again, and uh, just coming to you as we're really finishing up this series here. I think we got about two or three more, three more weeks minimum, I'd say, and I'm really trying to get it done in the three, next three weeks or so, and so I appreciate uh, you jumping back in and, and listening today, and uh, we're going to get, it's going to get a little bit different here from the last three weeks, and when I say different, I just mean that the context of the scripture changes uh, as we going through. Remember, we've been in studying uh, the, the seven churches, working our way through each one of them, and we are down to the final three. We've got Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And so uh, what's going to shift a little bit is I'm going to break away. Like today, I'm, I'm probably not going to get into any discussion about the city of Sardis, just because I have so much information, I'm just going to do an old time exegetical teaching. I hope you don't mind me just kind of, I think the text lends to some, some really, some key areas that I really want to highlight. I just feel like it's really imperative that we understand and know uh, some things and be challenged by some things that the text just lays out for us. And uh, so I want to spend some time, I'll do it in context, of course, of of the Sardis church and what Jesus is speaking, um, certainly through John, but I really, it's going to be different in the sense that, and you know, as I've kind of spent a lot of time talking about each church and I think that's why I said it's so difficult because I can easily come back and take another day next week or, you know, next week and do it that way. But I'm, I'm really trying to keep this from turning into a year series. Although as you can probably tell already, it's very easy to do. Uh, so let me just highlight, cause remember my whole goal, my goal is not to do a teaching, a revelation teaching on everything. My goal is to point you to Jesus. Remember, that's really the emphasis of this teaching is that you would catch a glimpse of the heart of the Lord and realize what he's trying to reveal in throughout this whole teaching is who he is and that we could grow into a union of love and understanding of who he is and what it is that he's calling you and I to do. And that really is what's happening with these seven churches is he's calling them as he's calling you. And as he's calling me to live out our callings and to do what he's has proposed or called us to do. And that's going to come really alive here in this church today. So let's just dig in and, uh, and, and let's take a look at it. So we're starting today reading directly from uh, the third chapter of the book of Revelation, starting right there at verse one. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God 
and the seven stars. All right, so let me, like I said, I'm gonna just do, I'm gonna be exegetical today, and I'm just gonna dig in, and that just means it's gonna be a true, just verse by verse, kind of stopping, looking at what he's saying, and pulling out the text of what he's really wanting to, to teach. And I just feel like um, we just need to do that right now. And so, um, so we get back to the seven spirits of God, and again, Sorry for the noise here. I'm, 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 you know, I'm I hold on to an iPad. I've got microphones and appreciate, appreciate you all uh, just hanging in there with me here. So, so here it is. So we started talking, I, I spent some time in, in the last teaching talking a little bit about the seven spirits of God. Remember, you know, we talked about, about, about that. You've got, um, um, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, uh, counsel and might knowledge and the fear of the Lord and you know the and the fear of the Lord right and or, or the spirit of the Lord and it comes from Isaiah chapter 11 verses 2 and I think can I say just let me just be very blunt about some of this so a lot of times we understand the theories but we don't really understand that there is more when god is teaching us things in scripture that there's a lot more to it than just being able to quote the verses and be able to know you know the seven spirits but if you go back to isaiah 11 chapter you know chapter 11 verse 2 he says that these rest will rest upon the lord that these this isn't just about the seven spirits that exist, these seven spirits rule and reign and rest, were resting upon the Lord. And by resting, it was as though he was able to experience or possess. I mean, think about it here. Um, being able to have the spirit of wisdom and understanding, being able to counsel and might, knowledge and of the, you know, and fear, of the Lord, I mean, true, genuine uh, reverence and fear of God. It's like these are not just things that were resting on the Lord. These are things that need to be resting upon us. And these are these are opportunities. And I just want to say, because I just feel like sometimes we don't dig in enough to understand the context of what is really being what might be in front of our face. So let me just say some things right now. And I just want you to hopefully just hear what I'm saying and take it for what it is. All right. So here it is. So I talked about in my last teaching. And so if you haven't heard it, please go back. Um, as I just kind of over covered a variety of things, right? I just took a break and just kind of wanted to bring some things up and highlight. So here's the thing. It started with the rainbow and I started talking about the rainbow, right? There are seven colors in the rainbow, and each one of those seven colors represents one of these, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, knowledge and uh, spirit of knowledge and, and fear of the Lord. Those seven are represented in the rainbow, and the rainbow is over the throne of God, and it comes up several times in scripture. And the reason why I'm highlighting this is because sometimes we don't want to own or take the time to recognize that we're it's that there are things being put in front of us that we're not seeing stop for a minute and, and and let me ask you this question who in this day and age is using the rainbow as their seal of approval 
there is a group of people in this day and age that is using the rainbow. I should not have to tell you who they are, but they have taken the rainbow as their symbol and they are decorating it everywhere. And we, the church, we just go, you know, we don't even stop to realize what's being done. We don't even stop to recognize that the enemy is, is he is declaring something that we haven't recognized because the rainbow is over the throne and it represents this, the seven spirits of God that are to rest on us, the church. And he is in essence saying they are resting upon this group, not on us. And if you look at what's taking place in our society, they are taking the place by, 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 they, by using their wisdom, using their understanding, using their counsel, using their might, using their knowledge in bringing fear, right? Of the, what their agenda is, they have taken this entire, um, um, these, this spirit and they are turning it and have turned it into their opportunity to expand their agenda and their belief system. And we have missed it. We don't even realize that it's being put out in front of our face and it's being exposed to say, we have the authority of the Lord. You don't. And it is literally gone over all of our heads. And the reason why it's going over our heads is because no one in the church is teaching it and because we're not reading it and understanding it. And we're, we're so excited about, let me just leave that alone, but we are putting our time and our efforts and our agendas into other things and not recognizing that the enemy is now boldly beginning to stand in our face and mock us. That's what he's doing right now. He's mocking us by using the symbol of the rainbow. We thought we're just thinking, and all we've ever been taught is, well, God put the rainbow in the sky after the ark because he wanted us to know that he was never going to bring the flood again. Wrong. <laughs> That's not what he was doing. The rainbow is a sign of his presence. It's a sign of his love. It's a sign of his authority. It's a sign that he is with us. And he, he wanted to remind them, I am with you. I am on your side. You have my authority to rule and reign on the earth. You're my kids. I love you. And all of that is a, is a picture of what he was trying to expose and bring to us. And most for most of us, we've not even heard that message. And it has not been declared and released in the earth through the church. And so now it's being released through a false agenda that's coming forth in this. And so we starting, like I said, uh, there's this book is going to be, it's, it's going to be tough because I'm already 11 minutes in. I'm just touching the surface. Okay. So he holds the seven stars in his right hand who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Again, these are representing who the Lord is. He says, I know your works, your labor. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me go back. Uh, okay. He says, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Now let's stop there again. 
So he's not basically saying, okay, so the words in the Greek are really what they're trying to express is you have a body, but you don't have a spirit. Can I, can I say it that way? He says, you have a body. I know it says that you have a name that you're alive, but you are dead. Really what he's saying is you have a body, but it's lifeless. And that's something for us to really stop and ponder for a minute because there is a shift in this church. And if you look historically, and let me just take a minute. I, I said I wasn't going to talk a lot about the city of Sardis, but I do want to talk about the time period. Because remember, we've been talking about the periods that each one of these time of, of these churches represent. And so Sardis really starts a very unique time period in our history. And it's the Martin Luther time period. It's really when the Protestant church be, takes place. It's in right about 1520 or so. We kind of just call it 1520 since that's really when Martin Luther really began to, you know, his message of faith, right? Message, justification by faith. That wasn't his only message. That's the message that we tend to, to lean on. But he, he had 70 issues, right? He, that, he, that he nailed to the wall, right? That he went to, um, you know, basically the Roman church and said, okay, I have found 70 things in scripture that we are not doing or we're doing them incorrectly or, and we really need to look at these things. And, you know, boom, boom, he nailed these theses, you know, to the wall saying, we need to address these. He was not trying to start a new movement. He was simply going to the church and saying, these are areas that we need to change. And I really believe that we are in a season today that that needs to happen again. I believe we need a reformation in the church that we need to, again, nail some things to the wall. And, you know, and, and I know that what makes it difficult, at least there was a church you could go to there in that day. Today, the church is so divided across the world that there's not a church you can go to and present these and say, hey, look, why are we doing A, B, C, and D when the scripture says D, E, F, and G? That's really what Martin Luther did. He just said, the scripture says A, and we're doing B, or we're not doing it at all. I really believe we should be doing these things. And of course, they got mad and threw him out. And that's all he was trying to do was he was trying to bring change into the church. But they weren't interested in change. They were only interested in continuing to do what they had been doing. And so what he had to start doing was, of course, he, he started gathering people together and teaching that. And of course, it turned into the Protestant movement, which, of course, the word means protest. They became known as the protesters. They were protesting Rome. They were protesting the, the church or what was then the, stand, the status quo they became the people that were looked upon as protesting that. And so there became this real issue. And but he changed, literally changed the course of the church by standing up and saying, hey, I want to we need to really discuss this and we need to change this. And so what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that in the midst of what he was doing at that time period, that as the writer John is speaking from the, the, the throne room as Jesus was showing him. There is a shift that takes place right here, just like there was a shift in that season. It was completely, it's like the church took on a completely different flavor 
we began to completely go down a different road. There was a, there was a, there was a literally a break and the church split in two with the Catholic going down one and the Protestant going down the other and forever. And it's been this way, right? I mean, we now have the two roads and we now, I mean, that's a, a study in itself right there that we can discuss. But certainly what we need to stop and look at today is that what he was, he's saying, the Lord is saying, look, you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. In other words, you have a body, but the spirit is missing. And I just want to address some of that. And I know I don't have a lot of time here. And so today I'm going to, this I can already tell it's, we're going to have to, we're going to do a couple of weeks of this. Cause it's like, okay, you're dead, but you're supposed to be alive or you are, you, you have a body. And are we seeing that today? We're seeing a body across the world, but in a, in a lot of places, the spirit is missing and it is, it's absolutely not having the place that it needs to have. In fact, in a lot of ways we have, we have, we have moved the spirit out of the church in order for us to continue to have our program in place or our agenda in place. And so John is addressing this and he's saying, look, I know your works. And, and that's, again, this is a revelation of Jesus. He's like saying, I know you in each one of these churches, he reveals an area of himself that he's looking at us on and saying, I know this about you. It's like, I'm revealing to you the kind of Lord that I am. I'm the kind that loves you and wants to, and tells you, but I'm seeing it all. And I want you to know that you're supposed to be alive, but you're not. Then he goes on and he says, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. Now, again, this is really interesting because when he says be watchful, the word basically means that you are choosing to keep yourself awake. It's like it's time to go to sleep. It's, it's, and if you remember the scripture that Jesus gives this one time, he gives the, the parable of the man. He said if he knew what time the thief was coming, then he wouldn't go to sleep because he would stay awake at that time. This is the same word. He's saying that it's an act, this is an act of your and my will to stay alerted to what's actually going on right now. You should be alive, but the spirit is missing. So there's a body, but I need you to make a decision to stay alert. And then he says, and to strengthen the things which remain. It's an interesting word. It's an interesting term because what he is saying is, you know, we talk about the Lord being able to raise the dead. In this case, he's not saying that he's, he's not talking about raising that which is dead. He's saying what part of you is not alive. He just saying, I want you to remain faithful and strengthen the things which are alive, which are there still. And this word strengthen really is talking about taking and making a decision again to go and do something about this particular area. In fact, let me, um, you know, as he's, let me just pull this up real quick here. Um, 
it's when you cause someone to be stronger and you're taking a firm stand. It's like when you take a position, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in a debate, debate team or on a debate and they say, okay, I want you to take a position. You know, here it is. I want, you know, when you're, if you're ever in a debate, debate team or something, here what they'll, what they'll do is they'll say, okay, here's the topic. We're going to talk about flying. Okay. And they said, you over here, you say we shouldn't fly. You over there say we should. And you just have to take a position. It's just, okay, I want you to stand and argue a position. I, and it's just, it's a, it's an act of your will come up with it. And he, that's what he's saying in this, in this, when he says strengthen what he says, I want you to take a position of strength and stand firm in this position and do something about it. That's all he is saying. He's saying as, as, as everything around us should be alive, but there is nothing but lifelessness. I need you to recognize. I need you to strengthen. I need you to be watchful and recognize. Choose to stay awake because everybody else is going to sleep and everything else has become lifeless. They've turned off the night. They've turned off the lights. I need you to choose to say, no, I'm going to stay awake in this and I'm going to take and strengthen the what's here. I'm going to make a decision and stand firm. You know, I like what Bob told us one time. He says, I want you, he says, you got to put your anchor. He talked about, he told us one time about the importance of, of hammering in and, and anchoring in a, in a, in a position of something. It's like, I just, just, just go ahead and, and put an anchor there and stand. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying through John that he's asking us to do in this season. And why is it important? Because there's a shift. There was a shift in that time. There was a shift in this church and there is a shift in our season that's going on right now. And the Lord needs you and he needs me to anchor in, to be watchful. And he's going to bring this back up in a bit here. So let me um, I'll just move on. I'm, I'm down to about five minutes here. So um, I'm, I'm trying to get through it here. Let's see. So. He says, we watch us when things that are ready to die for. I have not found your works perfect before God. Now, when you hear this it like, if you're like me, you're thinking perfect. You know, I can't be perfect. That's not the term. He is not saying you're not perfect. He's what he is saying is. And here's an interesting thought. OK, so here's what he's saying. He's saying the Lord, when he made you, he had a purpose for you. He had a plan that he wanted you to fulfill. And to this point, you have not fulfilled it. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I have found that you have not fulfilled your purpose, church. I made you for a reason. And I have, and I'm looking at you right now. And the reason why I made you you haven't fulfilled it. Wow. I'm hoping I'm preaching to you because I know I'm preaching to me. There are times where I get discouraged. There are times where I feel like, Lord, why, what am I doing? Where am I supposed to be going? Why have you put me here? What is my place? I mean, we all struggle with that. And he's saying, look, I have a reason. I have a purpose for you. I put you some, I put you there for a reason 
and you're not fulfilling it. That's what he said. It's, that's, ba- that's what he's basically saying. You have not fulfilled the purpose that I sing you. Not that you're perfect and you're not perfect. Not at all. Again, the terms are, ter- are a little bit different. And the, the way that they, they kind of, you know, the way they write it out, the way they interpret it and put it from what it's actually saying. But that's what he's saying. Is there's a, there is something here that I'm needing you to fulfill and you're not doing it yet. And it's really, really important that you get to do. And, 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 and you think maybe that's why they had um, become dead. Because they, had, they were not fulfilling the purpose that God really had for them. And rather than continue, I'm just going to stop there because, and I just want to, I'll just speak to some of that and I'm just going to pick it back up. I'm, again, I'm sorry. This is just, is, I feel like this message is important. I feel like it's like God was just speaking to me as I was studying this, you know, this week. And I just felt like, man, if I can just get someone to, if I can speak to you and encourage you, the enemy, what he tries to do is discourage us and keep us from our purpose and our destiny. So many of us don't know why we're where we're at. I tell you right now, I'm struggling as to why I am where I'm at. Right? We all, we can, we're, we're there. But what we need to begin to do is we need to recognize and say, you know what, Lord, show me. I'm going to anchor myself. Okay. I'm not going to run away. And isn't it, isn't it natural for us? I think it's a natural tendency that when we lose that piece of us, right, where we're not sure, I think it's natural tendency for us to become lifeless, right? And that's what they did. They turned off who they were and they had a body without a spirit. And how many of us today are doing this? We're like, I don't understand. I've had all these situations that's come up. I don't know what to do with them. And therefore now I just shut down and I'm just going to shut off and turn off and I can't figure it out. And so I just like stop and you know, yeah, maybe I'm going to church, but I'm just going to sit there and I know, and I'm, and I'm speaking to myself folks. Really? I am because I've said that I've just said, you know what, Lord, maybe I just, just, I'll just show up every week and I'll just sit there. You know, it's like, it's really easy. There's plenty of churches that they don't want to do anything that, you know, they don't want to use me. I'll just come and sit and I'll just sit there. Right. I'll just find a place, hide in the back, go in each week and go home and be done. But I know that I know that I know I cannot be and do that because God has called me and God has called you. He's called us to fulfill the purpose and destiny in our lives. And I want to leave it there today. I'm going to pick it up next time with this very place. We're going to finish right here and keep going because there's more. And we're going to pick it back up. And I want to continue to encourage you. I want to speak into your life. I want you to know that there is a purpose and there is something that God has planted you to do. Do not become spiritless. But, you know, the Bible says in Ephesians, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. He wants us to allow. Just this week, I was in my prayer time. And I just said, Holy Spirit, forgive me for grieving you. Forgive me for not allowing you to rule and reign in my life. And have, if there's anything I've done, and I know I have, so I'm just going to, I don't even know, but I know I have. I've kept you from allowing you to be who you are in me because I say no, I've said no to you. 
There's things you've wanted to do and I've said no. And I repent right now and I ask you right now to come alive and do what you do to lead me the way that you want to lead me. And my job is to say yes to you, not to boss you around and be the head. You're the head, Holy Spirit, not me. And if that's where you're at today, I want to encourage you. Have that talk with the Lord. Speak to his spirit because his spirit is in you. And he desires to lead you. You can't lead him. You can't say no, Lord. He's no longer Lord and you say no. You've got to say yes, Lord. So I want to encourage you right now to say yes and to honor him and to bless him. And whatever he is leading you to do, that you would just say, Lord, yes, I'll do it. Yes, I'll go. Yes, I'll be. I love you. It's not my will, but your will. I will go and do whatever. I bless you today. I, I, I honor you today. Have a great week. Be encouraged. Be strengthened. There's more in you. There's more in you. Go and get fulfilled the calling of God in your life. Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week. G-Talk is a ministry of Hope For You International, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. You can find us on the web at thankfultoday.com and gtalk.info. You can also find us on Facebook at The Thankful Today.